Welcome to the fourth episode of Freeform Improv in the Dark, the Nightman podcast. Fourth episode, I know. Me too. I didn't think so either. Anyway, uh, this episode we're covering Nightman issue number four, a comic book that has Nightman facing an identity crisis and has everyone asking, who is the Nightman? And if you're asking who is the Nightman, then this is the place to be. I welcome you to join us here as we sort of answer the question, who is the Nightman? And maybe, just maybe, you'll find a a new comic series that you want to try and collect. Or maybe not. Either way, I welcome you to join us in this conversation about the Ultraverse's Nightman series. Freeform Improv in the Dark, the Nightman Podcast. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, comic book writer, comic book reader, comic book fan, and if you are looking for a podcast about the Ultraverse's dark hero who blurs the lines between good and evil, light and dark, well, then you've come to the right place. We are looking at Steve Englehart's The Nightman, number four. We are also going to be looking at Breakthrough, number two. These are the two appearances that The Nightman had in the Ultraverse in January of 1994. That's right, 21 years ago this month is when this issue came out. Before we get started, I do want to say that the uh, Freeform Improv in the Dark, the Nightman podcast, is a part of the Ultraverse Network. Right now, it's a network of two podcasts, but, you know, two is better than one. Uh, this podcast that you're listening to right now is the podcast that does not have the Irredeemable Shag and David Gutierrez. This is the one that really probably people listen to because of the other one. And they're like, oh, not Shag. Oh, well, I'll listen to it anyway. But yeah, this is the one where we focus directly on the Nightman. I'm a fan of the Nightman, the comic book series, the character, and Steve Englehart. And this is what I'm doing is I'm pretending that I'm doing a podcast in 1990, well, 1994 now. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not exactly pretending that I'm you know reading it for the first time. But the idea is... 21 years ago this month, what came out featuring the Nightman and related to the Nightman? And in this case, we have Breakthrough number two, which was the end of the Ultraverse's first real universe-wide crossover, and then Nightman number four, which has Nightman you know, getting back into his own book. So right now, I'm going to just, um, for this portion of the show, I'm going to talk about the Breakthrough appearance. We'll have a podcast promo. We'll get into issue number four of The Nightman, which features a new character who's not really a new character, and also features a ton of foreshadowing. And it wasn't until this reading, honestly, that I realized, oh, Steve Englehart really is playing a long game here, because there's things that pay off in this issue that, but they don't pay off, there's things that happen in this issue that don't have the payoff until you know, issue 19 and 20. And there's also things in this issue that are paying off things from issue one. Then after uh, we talk about the issue, we'll look and see if there were any uh, hostess ads or not. Uh, I don't I don't think there were, but we can always wonder what if. We'll get into the feedback after that, and there's some huge, 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 huge Ultraverse news this past week. Something amazing happened, I, and I, I get to be the first one to podcast about it from the network because, well, Shag and David haven't done anything, uh, you know, haven't recorded anything since this happened. So, so I'm the one who gets to break this news to you through your ear holes. 
because you might have already seen it on Facebook, which is how I found out about this. Um, all I can say is it's something new. It's something Ultraverse. And I bought it in a shop, a comic shop, last week. And it wasn't in the comic shop before then. I didn't get this from the back issue bins. I got this from the new comics rack at my local comic shop, buymetoys.com. Yes, shameless plug for not just my local comic shop, but also one of my publishers. They, they published one of the books that I wrote. So back to Breakthrough. Breakthrough was the big, huge crossover event that they had. Most of it took place in December of 1993. January 1994 saw the release of issue number two, which wrapped everything up. Issue number one set up the problem. Then every single issue in the Ultraverse, every single title, I should say, in the Ultraverse, tied in to the Breakthrough uh, crossover. And for for a lot of them, it was setting up how did the characters get up to the moon, because that's where all the action in number two is 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 occurring. Some of them, it was just how did they deal with the fallout of what was going on around them as people were trying, regular human beings, ultra human beings, were all trying to get to the moon. Uh, some in a more crazy way than others. Some were just like, I want to go to the moon. Other people were like jumping off of buildings to try and fly because they were just going crazy. They called it the moon madness. And so some of it was how were the, our characters dealing with people who had the moon madness in issue number two of breakthrough. We get the culmination. We get the resolution. We get the climax. And we also get some answers to why people have been jump-started? Why have there been these streaks of energy coming and giving people superpowers? Well, some of the answer, some, not all, not much, but some of the answers came through in this title. Now, we're going to focus primarily on what the Nightman was doing, but, but well, I say primarily, I'm going to briefly talk about what was going on with all the other heroes in breakthrough number two. And then I'm going to briefly talk about what Nightman was up to in breakthrough number two. I'm going to briefly talk about what the other heroes were up to because I want to get through that and get into the Nightman stuff. I'm going to briefly talk about what Nightman was up to because even if I wanted to spend more time on it, it's brief. It's really, really brief. So anyway, on the moon, almost all the ultras, they congregated there and they're fighting each other and they're discovering things about the aliens who had created some stuff that were causing these jump starts to happen. And honestly, a lot of this stuff just feels like a superhero version of 2001 as these aliens are gathering information about our world and then sending the information as the moon is a relay point, almost sending the information back to the home world where those aliens that set the stuff up came from. So I guess I, I say this is a superhero 2001, but there's already been a superhero 2001, a space odyssey. It was called 2001, a space odyssey. Actually, I talked about it on my other podcast, uh, comic book time machine, uh, where for some of those episodes on, on that podcast, I'm going through all the Marvel-licensed science fiction books that they published between 1977 and 1986. Some of you know those years to be the years that Star Wars was published. And really, this is just my way of reading through Star Wars and having a lot of fun doing it because I'm also reading Human Fly. I'm also reading John Carter, Warlord of Mars. And I've read through the Logan's Run series that they did, and the 2001 series that Jack Kirby did, that is bonkers! Bonkers! It is crazy. I loved it. I just loved it. Jack Kirby's 2001. Oh, man. There's a reason they call him the king. I don't think that Jack Kirby's 2001 is the reason they call him the king, though. It's still got some crazy stuff, some really enjoyable stuff in there. Anyway. Back to uh, back to the breakthrough. So here's what Nightman was up to. You know, at the end of the breakthrough, well, let's at the beginning of the issue. Let's start there. That's a good place to start. We get a half page uh, after a bunch of fighting on the moon and stuff. We get a page where it's half sludge, where people are like throwing pop cans at him because he's an ultra and they want to kill him. 
kill the ultra, kill it, kill it. And in San Francisco, there's Nightman. It's the same thing there. And everyone's trying to get him. And he's trying to get away. And he's worried, man. He's worried about the freaks. The F-R-E-E-X. The team of teens called the freaks. Because if you remember, at the end of Nightman, issue number three, they disappeared. They were gone. When the fighting was done, they were gone. They had run away. And that's, that's what they do. You know, they're, they're teenagers with powers and no real family. You know, they run. They run. And, and they're, I mean, let's face it, they're X-Men. Or maybe they're more like runaways. But they were before runaways. Well, anyway. Um, we do get this half page. This half page here where they're trying to get Nightman. They're like, make him pay. Make him pay. Because there's all this crazy stuff happening. That isn't important but there is actually at the end of the issue or toward the end of the issue i should say after things calm down on the moon and everything's done up there uh the moon madness stops and so you get a page where on on one third of the page you have firearm and solitaire kind of talking to each other and there's it's kind of a funny joke it's, solitaire says what happened and firearm says it was a debate over who was better kirk or picard it turned ugly. And then Firearm says, me, I like the Pike episode. So that was a little funny. Um, a third of the page then goes to New York City, where Sludge is still dealing with these crazy people. And they leave him alone, and he, he says, I need to sweep. Sweep, not sleep, because, you know, he's Sludge. The bottom third of this page is the Freaks in San Francisco in uh, a park there. And they're they're checking on each other, and they're, they're are you okay? One of the one of the freaks actually had a mood madness episode, and so they're checking with her to make sure she's okay. And Nightman comes, he's found them, and they they're saying, oh, maybe things have calmed down. We can go ahead and, and go out there. And Nightman says it is calmer, might even be calmer enough for you guys to come out of hiding. And I like the dialogue here. This is a nice bit of dialogue. He says, I think I can help you if you'll trust me to. And one of the freaks says, sorry, Nightman, we trust you, but not the world. It's never safe enough for the freaks. And I like that, that, that sentiment there. We trust you, but we don't trust the world. And Nightman says, as you wish, but I'll keep your secret, and I hope we meet again. And then he disappears into the shadows, and they watch him go. Now, that's two-thirds of the page. And so it's kind of funny. All told, there is a full page here, but it happens on two different pages. And honestly... If we were doing an imaginary Nightman graphic novel, uh, it would have to contain Nightman number one, possibly stuff from Strangers number one through three, possibly, I don't know. But definitely Nightman number one, Nightman number two, Freaks number six, because of the crossover with each other, Nightman number three, and then this one page from Breakthrough. And they would have to change the layout, you know, because it has one third of a page on the f first page and then two-thirds of the page on the second page so you squeeze them together into one page and this is our imaginary graphic novel where does it stop you know issue one two three freaks this one page i mean that's four issues right there so maybe five maybe six i don't know where we would stop that's for the future when we actually read those things but for now this is our imaginary graphic novel so with that said we'll start a discussion with issue number four after we play a podcast promo a word about the podcast promos you know, I've played Mark's Mess. I've played uh, Professor Allen's Quarterman podcast. I've played Dave's Daredevil podcast. Those are all podcasts that I listen to. I don't tell them uh, that that I'm playing their their promo. Uh, I'm not playing their promo for any reason other than the fact that these are podcasts that I listen to. These are podcasts that I like. They're podcasts that I enjoy, and they're podcasts that I recommend. So for today's podcast that I recommend, what's cool about it is it very much ties into and fits into the whole idea of what we're doing here with the Ultraverse Network, the Ultraverse Podcasts. It's a dead universe. The difference is these guys, they're lucky. I've got some news I'm going to tell you about You know, at the end of the episode. They had news recently where their universe was coming back, and it was coming back big. It was coming back in the special, huge, big, huge, giant event that DC is doing. And they actually get a couple issues that are spotlighting characters from this universe. And they are lucky ducks because, well, the news that I have, 
does have to do with a great big huge event that honestly I hoped they might do something with it but you know it's nothing near what they get to have on their podcast so anyway this is a podcast that I listen to this is a podcast I enjoy this is a podcast that I recommend I'm going to play the promo now and then we'll be back to talk about issue number four of The Nightman who is The Nightman Tangent, an abrupt change of course. Tangent, to go off suddenly in another direction or on a different line of thought. Tangent, a comic event featuring brand new characters with very familiar names. I'm waking up to ash and dust. I wipe my brow and I sweat my I'm breathing in the chemicals I'm breaking in, shaping up Then checking out on the prison bus This is it, the apocalypse Whoa, I'm waking up I did it in my Parallel Lines, the DC Comics Tangent Universe podcast. Find it bi-weekly on iTunes and at greatcrypton.com. In the Tangent Universe, you only know the names. So the way that I normally discuss a comic book, I didn't really last time because I was discussing three issues uh, of of comics last month. But this time I'm only discussing one. The way I normally approach it is kind of that filmed three-act structure. Act one, act two, act three. Act one, setting up the problem. Act two, the rising action. And act three, the resolution. Generally speaking, that's the way it works in almost any kind of storytelling. Uh, comic books, because they're so short, sometimes don't have that exact structure, but I go ahead and I just do my best to shoehorn that thing into that structure, whether it wants to be or not. Fortunately for this issue, it wants to be. It, it came to me and said, Ben, I'm a three-act structure. Look at me. Look at me. And I said, you know what? You're right. We're going to start with the cover, though. The cover is by Kyle Hotz, who is the primary Nightman artist. When I think of Nightman, that's the artist I think of, even though Derek Robertson was the creator, and, and, and uh, or co-creator, rather, who um, who designed the, the character itself. This is the artist I think of when I think of the Nightman. Now, Kyle Hotz is someone that I've actually had contact with in the past, and I would like to try and have contact with him in the future. I almost worked on a project with him years ago and recently he's actually done a project for one of my publishers and i was skirting being able to work on that project but it didn't work out they went with someone else and i was really jealous now the someone else they went with was roland mann who was another (laughs) ultraverse alumni but the fact of the matter is i haven't worked with him but i would really love to someday someday you never know uh, if nothing else, I'd like to touch base with him and maybe even talk to him for the podcast about about working on the Nightman. The cover is uh, Nightman in the front, standing with his back to a pretty creepy-looking, robed, druidy-type-looking thing. Um, I don't know exactly. I mean, you're definitely supposed to get a sense of um, kind of a Celtic kind of 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 design to the the evil bad guy character cloak is torn and tattered and whenever i look at kyle hotz's art uh for nightman particularly whenever i see it there's that torn and tattered element that comes from this villain character and that comes from the nightman's cape as the series goes on his cape gets more and more tattered and this is rightfully so this is nightman kind of year one you are seeing the development of a character 
on the cover here, though, it's really interesting because you could take it as this bad guy is super tall and is right behind Nightman because the cloak of uh, because of the way the cloak comes down, the bad guy is wearing a purple robe, whereas Nightman's cape is blue, and there's a tattered part of a cloth that's purple behind Nightman that if it belongs to the bad guy, then that bad guy is about nine feet tall or, or eight and a half feet tall. But I don't think it's meant to belong to that bad guy. I believe that even though it's colored purple, that's a, a mistake the colorist made because of the tattered uh, element to the cape. I believe that cape belongs to the Nightman. Because this is something, spoiler, that actually happens later on in the issue. Now, I never once considered something that I didn't see until this reading. And we'll get to that in a minute. But it has to do with the tattered cloak. Or the tattered cape, rather. And so looking at this cover, after having made this realization about this tattered cape, I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. That's actually his cape. It's colored purple. It's, it's wrong. It was colored wrong. But it's his cape. Because the bad guy is not eight and a half feet tall, the bad guy is actually slightly shorter than the Nightman, based on um, based on the perspective that I see. Anyway, he's not wearing his cowl; uh, it's, it's it's down. That's interesting. But other than that, there's this is a nice thing. The, the villain is kind of rising up behind him, arms extended, ready to grab him and embrace him and pull him into the darkness of the cloak. This cover, we'll get into it, but this cover is a nice and neat description and portrayal of what's going to happen inside the issue. This is some nice, nice stuff. When we get into the issue for this Act 1, first page is just words. Words and words and words and words and words. <laughs> it's uh, meant to be the front page of a newspaper. It's the San Francisco Bulletin, or Bullet. Uh, I can't tell because the, the right side actually is cut off. It cuts off words from that, that, that fourth column there. Um, the headline, the huge, big headline is, who is the Nightman? Now, I, I don't know if this is the next day after all the Moon Madness stuff. It's pretty close. It's pretty close. But everyone, <laughs> there's three articles on the front page. Big headline, who is the Nightman? That's above the fold there. Um, article number one, newest ultra intrigues Bay Area after heroic rescue. Article number two, strangers cleared in moon mission. Article number three, FCC seeks radio pirate Nightman. Broadcaster claimed he was newest ultra hero. <laughs> now, the one thing I will say, uh, it's tiny on this page, but the credits for the issue are down at the bottom in its own kind of box thing, and then you have the, the copyrighted information as well down below in its own box. But it's new. It says, new on today's comics page. Um, Kyle Hotz, pencil artist, joins Steve Englehart, author. Thomas Floramonte Jr., ink artist. Dave Lamphere, letterer. Tim DeVar, color design. Roland Mann, editor. Hey, uh, Kyle and Roland, there they are. Food Hammer, interior colorist. Uh, I like it. It's cute. It's tiny. It's really, really small. It's set in the newspaper typeset. And it's it's kind of nice. They put Kyle Hotz up top basically saying, uh, here's, here's your new penciler. And it's nice. But these articles then, I mean, The Strangers Clear to Moon Mission is very, very short compared to the other two. But I'm just surprised. If this is the next day or even the next week, you'd think there'd be more about, you know, like things exploding on the moon. And the death toll of the moon madness. Uh, the strangers being cleared in the moon mission. That's a nice little um, San Francisco uh, universe building. Because the strangers and Nightman share San Francisco as their, um, their stomping grounds. Newest ultra intrigues Bay Area after heroic rescue. That's this long thing. Just basically giving you... What happened last issue? In fact, I could have almost used that article right there to describe what happened in the issue in my last episode, and I would have had a lot less work to do. Um, but uh, the other one then is FCC seeks radio pirate Nightman, and that's just—it's it, kind of—it's kind of funny because it's a 
got a bunch of different opinions about the FCC, and you've got people saying the, the airwaves are free, they should be free, we should be able to all use them, and um, and then you have the FCC representative, no, we have to have regulations and guidelines, and he's breaking the law, I don't care if he says he is a hero. So that's the first page, and then we get into the second page, where a whole bunch of people are reading newspapers and talking about Nightman, and saying, you know, he's he's not as powerful, he doesn't have any power, so he's not really an ultra, and and then there's an old man, ah, my day, all heroes didn't have to have powers. And some kids are, you know, I heard someone said that he sounds really creepy on the radio. And of course, standing in the back of the room with the newspaper up so you can't see him, well, when he pulls the newspaper down in the final panel, you see it, it's Johnny Domino. So he's been thinking about the last three issues, actually, and he gives us a lot, a lot of exposition and to quote, and to quote Lady Holiday from The Great Muppet Caper, one of the greatest Muppet movies, probably one of the four greatest Muppet movies of all time, to be honest. Uh, to quote Lady Holiday, it's plot exposition, has to go somewhere. Well, it goes in his thought clouds. He's approached by a woman named Rita, and he recognizes her as the woman from issue one who was watching him at the restaurant. And they have a, a little conversation there, and then um, she invites him to play saxophone at a party that she's throwing. It's a benefit party, and he doesn't want to, but in the end, it, it's kind of funny. I, I like the way it's portrayed here. Uh, you have this nice open outdoor scene where he's thinking back, and uh, she's charming, she's cute, but so was Ginger, who died in that issue. Charming and cute don't necessarily turn me on now. But jazz might. And then the next panel, still on the same page. We're cutting scenes, not on the page turn, but right here in the bottom corner of this page. And the caption box simply says, and so. And there he is playing his saxophone. He's at the party. He sees the scumbag, or rather, the, the was it scuzzbag. Is that what he calls him? Uh, yeah, no, scuzzwipe. That's what he goes with. Uh, the real estate guy who wants to buy the, the playland that his dad works at. And... He talks to Rita a little bit, and he is creeped out by Rita's boyfriend. <laughs> and basically, you know, it's just a party. It's a, uh, it's a party of the rich and the ultra-rich. And he doesn't like it. He doesn't feel comfortable, except when he's on the stage playing jazz. But by page nine, pow, the lights go out, power failure. It's really weird. It's a splash page of the power failure. And you just kind of see the silhouettes of all these other people in the background. But uh, Johnny, Nightman, is up front and center, and it's a power failure. And that is our inciting incident. This is what is going to bring him into the plot proper. All this other stuff is interesting. Uh, and so I'm going to stop here and, and kind of talk about uh, what's going on with this situation. I mean, we've got all these subplots going on. Uh, this is a nice way to bring in that real estate agent. Uh, what's his name? Um, Mr. Peters, it's, it's story driven. It's story driven. And, and I like that. And I, I, I appreciate that getting him playing, uh, jazz again. That's also a nice character moment for him. Um, all the interaction with Rita, uh, wow. From first issue, I'm just going to say, well, I'm going to stop right there because there's more coming with this character, but this has been something that's been planned since that first issue. And I never noticed it until uh, until I was reading in such a way that it kind of forced me to take notice. She is beautiful. She's attractive. He obviously would have been attracted to her if he wasn't so depressed by, you know, the woman who died, at which I, I, I mean, that, that's fair. I mean, that's not a, that's not unreasonable for him to be depressed about um, someone dying and for him to you know want to. Be careful. But um, she's also engaged to be married. So uh, he's there's another uh, roadblock in the way. There'll be more roadblocks coming up. But um, she recognizes him. She remembers him. Uh, it's, it's, it's flattering. It's flattering. And it's the opportunity. She's pushing him back into the music, which is something he hadn't done in a while. As for the newspaper stuff, it's maybe a little bit too cute. Uh, it's okay, 
but you know everyone's talking about Nightman. Everyone is talking about Nightman. And when I see that, I just think to myself, you know, I think there's other more important things to talk about than one guy who showed up and then did this radio thing one night trying to find the freaks. And it just seems to me like this would be maybe front page material, but front page material after you have all the other Moon Madness stuff, even for the first week or two. This is... it's a little too cute, but it gets the job done. It lets you know what's going on. And, you know, it is nice that people are talking about him. That's an element that he likes. Um, He he smiles about it. So getting into Act 2, Act 2 has a little bit more going on as far as action because the lights are out, a secret door opens, and our villain from the cover appears with these... um, it's kind of a devilish costume. The shoulders go up into curls, uh, but they're almost, you know, like, um, they're, they're cloth, but they remind me of, like, the bone protrusions that you had on Doomsday uh, from, from DC Comics. Uh, the mask allows there to be these two red eyes, similar, actually, to uh, Johnny Domino's Nightman costume, having the two red eyes. And the mask also has these horns, which definitely adds to the the devilishness, the evilness of of the look. And then this very frayed, torn and tattered cape, cloak thing. The uh, villain goes in and grabs uh, two women and thinks evil thoughts as as the villain does this. The the, the evil thoughts being (laughs) primarily, this one dies first. Okay, that's, that's, and that's pretty evil. So comes in through a secret door, or at least it looks like a door that slides open, a panel, and then uh, knocks these two women out and drops them in a secret panel in the floor. Johnny Domino is too late to rescue them. So he does what any self-respecting superhero who's at a party in his secret identity would do. He runs outside, goes to his car, gets the secret compartment open, pulls out the little... Uh, a uh, little um, box that has his costume in it, and he re-enters the room where the party was in his Nightman costume. There's no one in the room. I don't know what's going on if they've all cleared out because they're scared about the you know, missing women or something. I don't know. But he comes to the trap door. He uses his taser to um, break the whatever the, the mechanism is that, that keeps it closed. It opens up. He goes down into the tunnels beneath and so begins his indiana jones trials he steps on a mechanism that triggers a another trap door to open up beneath him fortunately he has his rope he throws it up whip style just before he lands on some spikes and as he climbs back up the walls start to close in now i'm not sure how this works with the spikes if the walls are closing in on the spikes and breaking them or if the wall is closing in above the spikes or how that works but very again indiana jones he's up and he's out he catches his cape the the the, uh the the wall closes in and catches his cape and he pulls and it tears that's an important little thing that i have never noticed before and that's not to say i didn't notice he tore his cape i just thought it was part of you know the Kyle Hotz development of the costume. But I think there's something story-driven here. We'll get back to that in a minute. A boulder starts rolling towards him. He runs away from the boulder and then finally um, throws himself to the side of the room. The boulder goes past him, and in his thoughts we see his plan. And it's a good plan. Indiana Jones never thought of it. He says, it worked. The round boulder couldn't get me in the corner of a square tunnel. And then he says, but look at the broken timbers. That thing's never been triggered before, not in all the years it's been here. And then he comes to a room. The door is open. There's a torch outside the door, but there's also light inside the door. It's a laboratory. Uh, The way he says it is, holy cats. (laughs) A laboratory. A laboratory. He says it twice. With everything from a cat scan to an alchemist's equipment. Then he hears the evil thoughts as he sees the two women lying on a table there and the evil villain standing over them. Their deaths will be painful. The pain I regret, but not the deaths. 
And that's where I'm ending. Uh, this is where I'm shoehorning my Act 2 uh, break. I, there's not a lot to say here other than we've changed. I mean, that's why I put the Act break where I did. He has changed his costume. He has jumped, and he's now underneath this old house in an ancient uh, structure, a kind of dungeon area. And as he gets past all the Indiana Jones type of uh, traps, I mean, that's all I can think is Indiana Jones. And I happen to, you know, I, I look at this and I wonder, is, is this Steve Englehart basically saying Indiana Jones is a jerk because he couldn't figure out, you know, and, and maybe is maybe is it seems like there was some rounded edges there with the boulder, but I don't, I don't remember. But then we get to, you know, kind of this horror movie kind of thing. And when I say horror movie, I'm actually thinking, I'm I'm reminded of, you know, a classic horror movie, a universal horror movie. Um, But then you start looking at the tools, and there's a lot of pointy instruments there and blood bags. And it starts to make me think, maybe it is maybe a little bit more modern. You get a better look at the the villain, though, because uh, it's not just in the dark through Johnny Domino's night vision because you you remember that was part of his brain damage is that he can hear evil thoughts he doesn't need to sleep and his eyes are constantly uh dilated or whatever so he sees better in the dark but he has to wear sunglasses almost all the time anyway uh we get a better look at the costume there's some green to it there's a lot of buckles as well and then there's this kind of stitching to it that gives it kind of a just a, a creepy old feeling and now we go into Act 3, which is going to resolve our story for us. And he confronts the villain. The villain is <laughs> does the classic, I'm going to tell you my plan from the beginning. Um, who are you? You should be dead. Uh, call me the Nightman. And I, I call you Meddler. For 150 years, I've ruled this domain. Meaning? Meaning I draw adrenaline from dying people to create an elixir to keep me alive through time. I used this party to camouflage the ones I wanted, made them seem like random victims in a mystery that would never be explained. I tell you this because a man like you should know what the night holds. Basically saying this is what the darkness holds, is this kind of activity, if not, um, well, evil. I mean, that's, that's, let's, let's just call it what it is. The night holds evil. The darkness holds evil. Evil hides in the shadows. The villain then says, as they're verbally sparring a little bit before punches start, Who are you, Nightman? And Nightman answers, and this is kind of the theme. We're getting to this crisis, identity crisis for Nightman. Everyone wants to know, including me. But all a man like you needs to know is this. Womp. And it's a nice punch. Uh, This, again, kind of getting this theme of darkness as well. I know too well what the night holds. That's why I'm taking charge of it and the villain then shouts back no the night is mine 150 years of nights for uh, here in san francisco 4700 years of nights all told you can't be serious and the the villain (laughs) i'm deadly serious uh and then is is starting to win the fight basically you find out that um, this villain is, you know, has been doing this for that long and actually came from, did come from Celtic origins. He gets the mask off the villain, though, and this is why I've been very careful to call the villain the villain or the bad guy, although I guess bad guy is not gender neutral. But when he gets the mask off, it's Rita. It's Rita underneath the mask. In case you were, uh, had any doubt that it was, there must have been some sort of voice modulation within her mask because he had like five pages of conversation with this woman without realizing that this woman was a woman. <laughs> so, like I said, this is where we find out about the uh, kind of that Celtic uh, vibe that's going on here. She actually says, 4,700 years since my mother bore me on the plains of Stonehenge, Nightman. 4,700 years for the priestess Rhiannon. And that is who we are seeing. We've known her. Her first appearance is actually issue one. But here is where she is named. And here is where we realize this is a villain the Nightman is going to have to deal with. Either in this issue or in future issues if she 
is able to get away. And I'm just going to throw the spoiler out there right now. You've been with me for through the first 22 pages. She gets away. She gets away because of the safety of the two women who are hurt, uh, who are, they're starting to wake up and there's all the pointy things that if they wake up and, you know, sit up quickly or something like that, they're going to get poked by the pointy things. Not a, not a good thing. And so you have the nightman then kind of just mulling over what's just happened. Our last page though, we cut scenes and we are in his house. He is talking into a microphone. He is sitting at a desk with his hands clasped in front of him, his elbows on the desk. I'm actually sitting the exact same way right now. Uh, his microphone little more old school looking than mine mine actually looks like a, just a regular you know singing microphone his looks like a ham radio or a broadcast radio microphone but he monologues then for the last page and it's an interesting monologue he says you know who this is but do i you live one life for all your life <laughs> and then one day everything changes you think you're the same but you're not the change takes on a life of its own. You do things because you have to. And some of them you do, some of them you like, and others you don't. So you grow and get better. But better is different. You're not who you were anymore. And one night you look into a woman's eyes as she whispers, You intrigue me. And the old you says, Danger. And the new you says, Yes. There's no reason for it. I'd seen her before and felt nothing special. Though now I know who she really is, but I also know what she is, and I still feel her pull. So I know on one night to come, I'm going to have to finally answer the question we're all asking. Who is the Nightman? Now, I, I am going to give you a little bit of advice based on what we can see in this comic book and kind of based on some of the choices that Johnny Domino may or may not make in the future. I just want to say, even if the new you is saying yes, when you meet a woman who is kidnapping and killing people to drain their adrenal glands so she can live forever, even if she says to you, you intrigue me, you listen to the old you that's saying danger and you run away. You run away from this woman. Okay? Murdering murderers who murder people are not good soulmates. I don't care how good your match is on matchmate.com or anything like that. You run away. This woman is bad news. She is a murdering murderer who murders. And she's selfish. She's murdering people because she's selfish. Okay? Now, I'm not going to be one to judge, uh, you know, usually. But, you know, a murdering murderer who murders, I'm going to judge that. Okay? That's just not good news. You run away. I know bad relationships. Okay? I've been in a couple. I've been happily married. 17 years I was dating my wife before that who became you know what I mean okay for a couple years it's been happy it's been good it's been wonderful before her there was some bad bad relationships my friends and they were bad enough for me to say I need to get out of this and she wasn't even a murdering murderer who murders it's just bad news for me okay that's all i have to say run away don't consider the yes the new you says that even if johnny domino who is an extraordinary jazz player and an awesome athlete and a great man with who carries responsibility but you run away so that concludes the uh the personal advice portion of the show uh, all that said, there's some interesting elements here in that you've got this kind of uh, not quite invitation to the dark. It's it's close. It's almost there. Okay. But she she sees the nightman. She sees something in the nightman. She knows it's all played out. She knows that she is done there. Uh, but, you know, she said, you intrigue me, sir. 
and we'll meet again. But this scene is played. And the Nightman is also intrigued. Now, what I never noticed before, or never thought of before, I should say, I noticed it but didn't think it through, is, you know, the Nightman comic book is a constant evolution of a character. And that's one of the things I really love about it, is that from issue one to the end, there are all kinds of changes to his character. A lot of them are things he adds on to his costume as he's developing his uh, his morality, as he's developing his sense of, of purpose, as he's developing his his outfit. In this, where he first meets Rhiannon, his cape gets caught. Now on the cover, it's colored purple, but it's his cape. that It got caught, and it becomes tattered. And what else is tattered? Rhiannon's cloak. This is a possible first step toward him becoming something less than noble. As he is intrigued by this person who is a murdering murderer who murders. I mean, let's call a spade a spade here. Now, she believes, we'll get into why she does it later on, but she is a villain who has her own purposes, who has her own morality, and who has her own uh, motivations. But before that, we're looking at issue four. We're looking at this issue right now. And we are seeing the Nightman starting to become more like the Knight. He pulls that cape, it becomes tattered, and it becomes a visual representation that is amplified multitudinously, I don't know if that's a word, but I'm using it as one, by Kyle Hott's art. His artwork definitely fits this and fits the tone and fits all the things that they're doing here with this uh, character and with the the style that they want to develop here with the Nightman. But Nightman is taking a step one way or another, but he has definitely been drawn into the darkness or at least intrigued by it. And this is a step that happens in every person's life and not just one time. This is something that happens often as you are intrigued by something and that intrigue becomes temptation to do something that you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't do it. You know, you shouldn't look there. You know, you shouldn't go there. You know, you shouldn't be there. You know, you shouldn't act on these impulses, but Intrigue becomes temptation, and temptation becomes action. And this is that first moment here in this situation for him with Rhiannon. The question is, what is he going to do? And I will say this, as we look forward, there are some interesting answers to this question. There's some really interesting ways that this conundrum plays out between him and Rhiannon. There are things I'd like to say about Rhiannon that I'm really holding back. Uh, until we get to the actual issues where the things happen that I want to talk about. But uh, for now, this is a great introduction to an interesting villain and another way that the Nightman is not just a typical superhero book. It, it goes into some weird places. And and it allows the Nightman character to, you know, flirt with the night. So all that said, it is now time for us to, you know, just... I was looking at the ads, and there's that Nintendo Super Advantage controller for Super Nintendo. And it says, because losing sucks. There's a bunch of video game uh, ads that just take me back to the 90s. But nothing that takes me back to, you know, the 70s. If only there were some, you know, Hostess ads for some Hostess fruit pies or something. You know, that would use maybe a, a new enemy that would have appeared in, in a, a recent issue of, of The Nightman. A Nightman in His Greatest Enemy. Who is the Nightman? That's what I would like to know. And so I end my broadcast on this illegal pirate radio station. And I leave you with that question once again. Who is the Nightman? Well, he's me. But even though he's me, I'm still asking that question. Because I want to know who is the Nightman. That's what we would like to know, too. Who is the Nightman? No. My greatest enemy. Yes. Your greatest enemy. No. Yes. No. Yes. 
No. Yes. It's me, your greatest enemy, the chairman of the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission. And we are here to shut down your illegal broadcasting. You are the bad guy, Nightman. You are the one doing evil. You. Ow. Ow. Stop. What are you throwing those at me for? Ow. 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 Why are you throwing those at me? Aren't you tempted by the delectable fruit filling and the crisp, crunchy crust? What do you think I am? Some sort of weird, lame villain? No, I'm the commissioner of the FCC. I'm here to shut down your... Hey, where'd he go? Oh, I'll never track him down now. Blast him in those fruit-filled pies. You get a big delight in every bite of Hostess Fruit Pies. Okay, so now is the time of the show where we open the mailbag and see if we have any listener feedback. Uh, there is no... Oh, wait a minute. Ah, see, this is the problem. We have such a huge, giant mailbag. Um, sometimes if you only have one thing in it, it can get lost in there. And we do have some feedback, listener feedback. Uh, let's see, this is from Nate Marchand, and he is actually a, a friend of mine that I know from some of my other podcasting that I do. And he's actually someone I've met in real life. I've, I met him face-to-face at a, at a convention where I was uh, set up, and that was kind of cool to meet him. And he writes in to say, Dear Ben Avery, I was sad to hear your latest episode of the Nightman podcast. Well, Nate, I'm sorry that it made you sad to listen to it. Um, if something makes you sad, you don't have to listen. Oh, wait, wait, sorry. Uh, I was sad to hear your latest episode of the Nightman podcast, and you had nothing in the mailbag. Ah, I see. Uh, he also asks, is that the official title or is it Freeform Improv in the Dark? The official title is Freeform Improv in the Dark, the Nightman Podcast. You could also say the Nightman Podcast, colon, Freeform Improv in the Dark. Either way, I'm okay. Um, it doesn't matter. He goes on to say, so I decided to write you so you'd have at least one letter to talk about for your next episode. And lo and behold, here I am. It's the next episode. I have one letter. <laughs> Uh, you said you hope to expand the, your your audience's comics horizons, ho- assuming they hadn't read any Ultraverse titles. The irredeemable Shag has joked that only Ultraverse fans listen to this. Well, Ben, you can tell Shag you accomplished your goal. I originally started listening to your Nightman podcast because I'm a fan of you and your shows. It helps that you had me on Strangers and Aliens, which was such fun. I heard you mention you were doing the show on Comic Book Time Machine. Your enthusiasm, coupled with my curiosity, made me seek out the Ultraverse Network. I thought I'd listen to an episode or two and see if I enjoyed it. I must say that your fandom is contagious. The Ultraverse was something I had heard about in my early days of comic collecting, that those who read it loved it, etc., but I'd never looked into it. I caught one episode of Ultraforce on USA, but thought it was weird. Since listening to your show, I found the episode featuring Nightman on YouTube, but man, was it awful. I'm going to interject here and say I will be covering that somehow, some way. I'm not exactly sure yet. Um, I'll just say the end of that episode, man, you're either with it or you're not with it. More than likely, you're not with it. But we'll come back to that another time. I also remember, Nate continues to say, uh, reading about the Nightman TV show in the pages of TV Guide. And I even caught part of an episode. But all I can remember is seeing Johnny Domino almost wreck his purple prowler. It was purple, right? Beyond that, my only exposure to the Ultraverse was coming across random issues of its titles in the bargain bins at my local comic shops, but I usually dismissed them as 90s schlock, because, let's be honest, there was a lot of that back then. However, after listening to a few episodes of the Ultraverse Network, I was intrigued. Then your first episode of Freeform Improv in the Dark, I'll use that title because it sounds much cooler, sold me on Nightman, so I took the plunge and bought a mint condition copy of the Nightman number one for a dollar at Chimps Comics in Warsaw, Indiana. Shameless plug for local comic shop. Despite your excellent summary, I still found myself enjoying the issue and noticing little details you didn't mention, like the martial arts trophies in Johnny's room. Deathmask didn't look how I pictured him when listening to your show, but I still thought he was a great villain. Malibu was ahead of its time because the Joker in DC's New 52 did the skin mask gimmick for a while. The story was tightly written, but still felt complete. Single-issue stories are such a rarity in comics these days. If I'd read this back in the 90s, I'd definitely have come back. I plan to track down more issues with your show as my guide. Nightman is not the Batman knockoff I originally thought he was. I love the idea of him being a jazz player, a unique secret identity, I think, and his sensing evil superpower. As you mentioned in episode 3, it presents some great questions about morality. If I could somehow revive Nightman and play with those ideas, I so would. 
And I'd invite you to be my co-author since we don't live that far from each other. <laughs> well, thanks. I, I appreciate that. Uh, keep up the good work, Ben, and Merry Christmas. Live long and prosper. Your bro in Christ, Nate. And thanks, Nate. I appreciate your feedback. Um, you're you're one of those guys I, I like talking to about this kind of stuff anyway. Um, and so I'm glad to have turned you on to something that maybe we can talk about in the future. I also want to turn to the pages of the Nightman where they have some two letters in the letters page here. Um, one of them, remember how in, in episode one of the Nightman podcast, I mentioned seeing an article in either Wizard or Hero, Hero Illustrated or one of those things. In the letters page here in issue number four, they have solved my mystery I now know what to look for. Hopefully, by episode five, at least by episode six, I will have a copy of this magazine in my hands. They say, Dear Nightmen, I was browsing through my Hero Illustrated number four when I saw a small section on the Nightman. The art was pretty eye-catching, so I read the article underneath. What a cool character, etc., etc. Hero Illustrated number four. I will be looking for that. If I can find it, I will take a picture, post it to our Facebook page. And uh, I also wanted to mention in this issue they had a firearm origin that was by Howard Chaikin and uh, James Robinson. James Robinson. And finally, I have one last thing I want to talk about, and that is that the Alterverse has returned to the pages of comics. I bought last week a comic book featuring. The Ultraverse. It is a Marvel comic book. It is a Marvel comic book with a cover date of... Well, it's not a cover date if it's not on the cover, is it? I don't see a cover date. They don't put cover dates on comics anymore? What's going on here? What kind of world is this? Well, March 2015 is the the copyright date in the, in the, the, the copyright material here. Anyway, it's Spider-Verse, number two. And in the pages of Spider-Verse number two, there's a bunch of stories that I have no idea what's going on. There's something with this Spider-Man from Mexico or one from Africa. And there's like two page stories in here. And there's a talking lion or something. There's some weird punk rock Spider-Man. And then there's this final story. The very end by uh, Dan Slott. Every Spider-Man ever in It's the Little Things. An appropriate title um, considering that final panel. You get to, There's a Spider-Man from the, I think he's from the What If issue of What If Spider-Man um, had gone into showbiz. There's the, the Fantastic Four Spider-Man with a bag over his head. There's a Six-Arm Spider-Man. There's the, uh, the Spider-Man 2099. There's Scarlet Spider. And there, half of a face and part of a shoulder is spider prime. That's right. That's right. An ultraverse character here in a currently published Spider-Man comic from Marvel. My friends, if you want to have a complete collection of ultraverse, you have to go out and buy Spider-Verse number two, or you are going to miss out on half of a face of a, character from the when the ultraverse was bought by marvel okay i admit i have a problem because that's the only reason i bought this i haven't even read the other stories i've only looked at that one panel someone on our facebook page mentioned it and uh yeah still it's exciting news i'm super excited i bought the issue i'm not reading spider-verse i'm listening to a podcast about it on comic book time machine but I'm I'm not I'm not reading it. Bottom line is though, yeah okay. So tangent universe guys, you win. All right, you get full issues devoted to your characters, but we still got the ultraverse on the pages of a comic book. I'm happy. Okay. All that said, if you want to find more about the ultraverse, if you want to connect with other ultraverse fans, you got a couple places you can go to. First, you can email us at ultraversenetwork at gmail.com. Second, you can go to ultraversenetwork.com or ultraversepodcast.com. Find our website where we post these episodes and post other articles about the Ultraverse. And finally, on Facebook, where we're facebook.com slash 
Network. I want to thank you again for listening and thank you, Nate, for the feedback. And until next time, if you have a pirate radio station that you want to broadcast, first of all, I recommend just doing a podcast. It's not illegal. But if you want to choose to go the illegal route, just remember, put your transmitter in random places around the city every time you do it. Because illegal pirate broadcasting, like crime fighting, and like jazz, is all just freeform improv in the dark. episode guess who's back and looking a lot less manly in her weird kind of celtic buckly leather outfit yeah it's rhiannon and she's going to be here in nightman number five from february 1994 the story is titled alone written by Stephen lohart and penciled by kyle hotz however looking at that cover nightman's not alone he's there with rhiannon he did not take my advice he did not run away she's a murdering murderer who murders